I'm going to jump right in this evening. Eugene Peterson, he's a pastor and theologian, author of The Message. He once said that this is a world filled with crosses, and I do not want to escape the violence. If you are a follower of Jesus, then the cross is something you cannot escape. In fact, the scriptures teach us that our inheritance as followers of Jesus is contingent upon our suffering. The Apostle Paul, an early Christian missionary, he says this in his letter to the church at Rome. He says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Stephen, one of the first deacons in the church, understood this, and it is his story that crystallizes the fact that following Jesus is about cross-bearing and missional suffering. Following Jesus is about cross-bearing and missional suffering. Tonight we gather to remember the murder of our king. But we also gather to remember and receive the challenge that the murder of our king is the story we have been called to embody as the family of God. And it's through this seemingly hopeless crushing of both Christ and the church that the good news of the kingdom extends to the world around us. So before we jump in, let's go to the Lord and ask that he bless our time together. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what it calls us to, Father. We thank you for the salvation we find in the death of your son, Jesus, Father. I pray tonight as we look at your word for this brief amount of time, Lord, that you would convict us of sin, Lord God. Draw us near to yourself. Make us more and more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we are going to be in Acts chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verses 54 through chapter 8, verses 3. And so it might seem strange that we're looking at the death of Stephen on a day when we should be remembering the death of Christ. But providentially, God has us in this section of Acts during Holy Week, which is in no way a coincidence. My goal this evening is to look at the death of Stephen through the lens of Jesus' crucifixion so that we might walk away from our time together with the understanding that Stephen's story is not an anomaly, but rather it's the pattern for those of us who want to follow Jesus and share in his suffering. So let's take a look at our text tonight. It says in verse 54 and following, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him, or or they gnashed their teeth, a familiar term for those of us who have read the scriptures more than once. We've seen that phrase, gnashing of teeth. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. 
And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So a couple of observations. It says that they were enraged, right? The rage that they were experiencing, these religious leaders, was a religious rage. See, they believed that Stephen was speaking blasphemy against Moses, against the temple, against the law, and against their traditions. But see, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit, the text says. And and what happens is that Stephen sees heaven opened up. and And he begins telling the onlookers what he sees. But what ends up happening is that the council devolves into a mob and they drag him out of the city, closing their ears so as not to hear what they considered to be blasphemy, namely that son of man language that he was using to describe Jesus. Those who participated in this stoning are described as witnesses. The very same word used to describe Jesus' followers who spoke of the resurrection. So why is this a big deal? Because the Son of Man was the language used to describe the coming Messiah and the everlasting kingdom, which those onlookers did not believe Jesus was the one who who possessed that title. It says in Daniel 7, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So what's the point? What am I getting at here? The religious leaders in the mob just heard this message from Stephen, which uh, Pastor Seski shared with us last week. And it ended with them being called stiff-necked, uncircumcised, resistors of the Holy Spirit who killed the prophets and failed to keep the law. They were enraged. They were angry. And so what do they do with this anger, but they, they, they get together as a mob. They drag Stephen out of the city and they stone him to death. They stone him to death. This faithful witness who, who was proclaiming the Christ, who was proclaiming the resurrection, was killed for it. He was killed because he stood up for what was true. He stood up for righteousness. Let's see where this story goes. It says in verse 59, And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen's faithfulness results in his murder. We've seen this story before. This is the story of the Christ. And what we learn about the story of Jesus is that it doesn't stop at his death and resurrection, but rather it continues through the life of the church. Like I said, Stephen's story is not an anomaly, but rather it is the pattern that we are called to follow. I want to point something out to you. It says that in the midst of being stoned, 
Jesus cries out, I mean, um, excuse me, Stephen cries out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And if you remember from Luke's gospel, what does Jesus say from the cross? Into your hands I commit my spirit. Stephen also says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, which also recalls the words from Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so what we see happening here is that the story of the Christ, the story of our King, is being lived out again in the story of Stephen. The story of our King is being lived out in the story of Stephen. Basically, what we see happening is that the story of Christ is our story. The story of Christ is our story. We've talked about this before, that we are not only forgiven by the cross, but we are to be formed by the cross. We're not simply forgiven by the cross, but we are to be formed by the cross. See, the scriptures tell us on a regular basis to pick up our crosses and follow Jesus. It tells us that we can't enter into glory unless we suffer, unless we share in the sufferings of Christ. Unless we share in the sufferings of Christ. And so ultimately the point is that the story of Jesus is the story of Stephen, which becomes the story of us. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 3. It says this in verses 8 through 11. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Point being is that we, as followers of Jesus, are called to embody the cross of Christ so that the world might see what God is like. So that the world might see what God is like. This is what we are looking at as we look at the story of Stephen. And as we continue looking at the book of Acts over the next number of months, we're going to see similar types of stories of people suffering on behalf of the name of Jesus. Because the footsteps that the Christ walks in are the very same footsteps we are called to follow in. See, on Good Friday, we remember the death of our Savior, but we are also challenged by the death of our Savior because we too are called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. So Good Friday is a time of remembrance, but it is a challenge to us. It is a call to us. The cross doesn't stop there. It continues throughout the history of the church. The text continues, verses 1 through 3 in chapter 8. And Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged, all of men, all, dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. I think this is such an interesting couple of verses, right? Because it took us a matter of like 12 seconds to read through those three verses. And see, the thing about being a Monday morning quarterback or, or having hindsight is that it makes it difficult for us to really understand what the people might have been actually going through. See, like I said, we read over those verses in just a few seconds, and, and it's probably an event that felt like an eternity to those people, to those who were fleeing from their homes, being dragged off to prison, possibly separated from their families, their churches, their children. Once again, the story of the crucified king becomes the story of Stephen, who sets the pattern for the story of God's people. Bible commentator Ajith Fernando, he says this, Christ is a suffering savior, savior. And if we are to be truly one with him, we too must suffer. There is a depth of union with Christ that comes to us only through suffering. And while we stand here some 2,000 years removed from the cross and removed from the death of Stephen and the persecution against the early church, we are still called to mourn and lament over the evil and wickedness that put both Jesus on the cross and Stephen under a pile of stones. we got to remember those words that Eugene Peterson speaks, that this is a world filled with crosses. And faithfulness means we do not flee from this world of pain and suffering, but rather we enter into it. We enter into it extending hope to the broken so that they might catch a glimpse of who God is. So that they might catch a glimpse of who God is. As I said just a few minutes ago, and, and honestly, guys, I'm almost finished because I did that intentionally, because I hear children, and I know parents get restless with children. And so as I said earlier, the stoning of Stephen, it mirrors the crucifixion of King Jesus, leaving the church beat down and scattered with seemingly little hope of vindication. But as we will see in the weeks to come, what appears hopeless in the kingdom of God actually serves as the seeds of redemption. What appears hopeless in the kingdom of God actually serves as the seeds of redemption. What we're going to see on Sunday is that the death of Stephen, while they might not have realized it at the moment, sent the people of God to Samaria and to ultimately the ends of the earth. See, it was the death of Stephen that breathed life into the ancient world and ultimately breathed life into all of the world because what happened was is that the gospel now started moving out from Jerusalem. The gospel went to Samaria. The gospel went to an Ethiopian eunuch, which we'll talk about on Sunday morning. But this is the reality of our faith. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We cannot run away from the cross. We cannot escape the violence. But rather, we need to embrace it and we need to enter into it as beacons of hope 
amid a dark and hopeless world. Good Friday is a day of mourning and lamentation. We mourn and lament over the wickedness and injustice that surrounds us. And there is so much wickedness and injustice surrounding us. We mourn and lament over the division that has enveloped our country and so many of our churches over this past year. That is the opposite of what the church should be. The church is not to be a place of division, but rather the dividing walls of hostility have been broken in two so that that people from every tribe and every nation can gather at the table to participate in this thing we call Christianity. But what is happening in our world, and sadly in our churches, is that we are allowing things to divide us. But God is calling us to come back together. We mourn and lament over the pride and arrogance that keeps people from coming to faith and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform them. And ultimately, we mourn and lament over our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. I want to read just a couple of verses from Luke's gospel. Chapter 23, verses 44 and following. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. What we see in the crucifixion of Jesus, we see that judgment is falling upon the earth. Darkness covered the face of the earth. That should remind us of of Genesis, where darkness covered the face of the earth. The curtain was torn in two, judging the temple and what they considered to be religious activity. The slaying of the innocent one made a way for us to go free. That's the good news of Jesus. That's what this thing we call Christianity is all about. The righteous one slain for us. The righteous one slain for us so that we might go free. And we go free with a mission embodying the cross of Christ so that others might go free. This is what we remember on Good Friday. This is what we have been called to as a people. We have been called to embody the cross. His story becomes our story and we go out into this world and we proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus so that others might go free. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the wonder of the cross. Lord, we thank you that while you were undeserving of the death that you died, Father. You did that for us, Lord. You laid your life down. 
even as Pastor Lee prayed before the service, that, that it wasn't until you deemed it the appropriate time, Father. No one took your son's life. He laid it down willingly. Father, thank you for giving your son. Thank you that his death means our life, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.